You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. If you're tired from celebrating that win over Pittsburgh, get yourself some Lono Coffee. It'll get you through the day. Well, today, another victory podcast. Washington is now on a three-game winning streak after the upset win over Pittsburgh. The voice of the Washington football team, Bram Weinstein, and I rehash the game what this means for the future, just a bunch of things that jumped out at both of us. You can follow Bram on Twitter at RealBramW. Also, don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a big story on ESPN on Tuesday about Ron Rivera and his battle with cancer, how close he was to almost stopping, and how the medical community helped him. And now, here's my conversation with Bram Weinstein. Bram, I've covered this team a long time. You've been rooting for this team forever. It's hard to remember a bigger win. How, what, do you agree? Like, when's, the, how big is this a win since what? Um, you know, it feels like the RG3 year a little bit. Maybe RG3 in Dallas, uh, yeah. where they, similar thing, where they kind of turned a season around and there was a lot of hope pinned on young guys. And all of a sudden, you know, there was just kind of this magic happening. I'm sure there are other ones in between that because that's eight years ago. So I'm sure there are other ones in between that. The other one that really comes to mind was in Philadelphia, Sean Taylor's big game that led to a playoff burst. But that's that feels like eons ago now. Um, I, I would I would call this clearly this year the biggest win, clearly the biggest of the Ron Rivera era. Um, and. I would maybe more describe it as one of the gutsiest wins I've ever seen from them. Because if you told me before the game, Antonio Gibson's going to get hurt, he's not going to play, basically not play, after the first couple of snaps, and Terry McLaurin would have his statistical worst season and was largely a non, a worst game and largely a non-factor, I would have told you there weren't enough people out there to make plays for them to win. And they might do a great job keeping it close, but I wouldn't have believed it. Um, that said, I mean, you were on my show Friday, and I even think I said on the air, I said, I'm not trying to talk myself into this, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, and I think you agree, I think they have a shot at these guys. Like, like just watching them, like they're a very good team, especially up front. They're very good. You can look at a lot of the metrics. They do not make a lot of mistakes, which is a lot of the reasons why they're so tough to beat and why they are going to go far this year. But I didn't watch them and go, this is a mismatch. And I felt like if they came in disengaged like they were against Baltimore, that Washington would win. But assuming they didn't do that, I still felt like it was going to be close. The injury to Gibson changed my mind mid-game that they would come back. Um, and I think that's what makes it all the more amazing, really. 
You know, it's funny because I, I was telling my wife earlier on Monday that I like I really felt like this team had a chance to win. Did not pick them. I'm not going to rewrite history with that. But I agree with you. When you were watching, when I was watching the Steelers, like, okay, Big Ben is Big Ben. And that defense is really good, but they had a lot of holes and they were kind of their pedestrian run game. And I felt like if you didn't turn the ball over, they'd be at least able to move the ball enough with Antonio Gibson in the game. Once he went out and Pittsburgh took control, I'm just thinking there's you there's no way you could have pictured this in any other year before this, just about the way this game unfolded. I mean, how much of this is just a reflection of who this team is right now versus compared to some teams in the past. I mean, obviously like there's a buy-in here that's different. There's a resilience that's different and maybe that's Rivera and maybe part of that is Alex Smith. And, but the fact that they are so young at most of the positions that are their star players, it is surprising um, that it's kind of come together this quickly um, they also didn't get a single sack on Ben Roth. Not that that's anything new. He hadn't been sacked in over a month, um, but they didn't. You know, like all the things that you would look at and go, well, this is the reason why they would win. Most of that stuff didn't happen. Gibson barely played. The defensive line got some pressure in the second half, but not nearly enough to really shake up Roethlisberger. I mean, they won because they were today as good as them. And that's the most amazing thing really to say here. It isn't that, oh, Pittsburgh, it was, they got pissed because, you know, the game got moved and it's a Wednesday and they're just totally disengaged and they're playing a team that's half stricken by COVID out absences. That's not what happened today. Like Washington got a real effort out of the best team, at least according to record in the league. They went toe to toe with them, found themselves, found themselves down 14, nothing in a place they haven't won in, in almost 30 years and came back and won. They just deserve a tremendous amount of credit. And clearly what's happening right now, I mean, we talked about this too. Like I said it to you and you agreed. I'm like, something's happening here. You don't see this that often. You really don't see it that often with this franchise. I think it's ahead of schedule. I think it's beyond what Ron Rivera probably thought it would be, but I can't imagine he couldn't be more proud than what's going on right now. I mean, the resilience, whether it comes from Rivera himself, the fight over cancer, just the change of standards and practices, Alex Smith's return, his resilience, it, it, maybe it's just all of it, you know, that they've named their own captains here, deserving players. I, I, Logan Thomas and J.D. McKissick carried them to a win today. Cam Sims carried them to a win today. It's crazy. I mean, it really is. It sounds crazy, but it happened. Well, you know, it's funny, too, because I think coupled with beating Dallas on Thanksgiving, and then to stack this win on top of that, I'm going to guess that this fan base is as energized as they've been in, a few, in, a, in probably maybe since 2012. Well, that's what Twitter told me after the game for sure. <laughs> I, haven't <laughs> seen, I haven't seen this much interaction in a while, even after it's Thanksgiving, when I thought after Thanksgiving, but I think people just kind of know this is not going to be Dallas's year. And while that was fun and exciting, this was a real win. I mean, like we were talking about this before. They hadn't beaten anybody. I mean, frankly, they hadn't. I mean, I thought Philadelphia and Dallas would be better than this. They aren't. So... Those two teams and the Bengals amount to no playoff team wins that they've had against anybody. This is a real win. People should be excited about this. I mean, they went and beat a real team today, a team that could have a very, probably still will have a very deep run into the playoffs. I mean, this is a real win today. It ought to show you the medal of this group. It, I agree with you. Now, the only thing I'll say is after that Dallas win, when I would put something on Twitter about 
anything related to this team, it felt like, whether it's especially if it was Terry McLaurin or Gibson or anybody like that, you're I was getting a thousand likes on some of those tweets. That's a massive rise compared to the even like over the Bengals or something like that. So I think it was the way they beat Dallas on Thanksgiving, coupled with this now. I think you're gonna see. I think you see a fan base that maybe wants to maybe feels like it can believe that you have the right people here to build something going beyond this. I mean, I think that's, that's obvious right now. Now, granted, we have a quarter of the season to go and it still may end up with them not making the playoffs, even as bad as their division has been because of the sweep by the giants. So, you know, it may not end up where you want it to go, but it is certainly trending the right way. Um, That said, you know, like, is this the best they can play right now or is there somewhere else they can achieve? And that's hard to think about right now because I don't think we know how far they can go, how long this can be ridden out. Um, but who knows? Like, they just wanted Pittsburgh. That means they can beat – what another break they got. I mean, yeah, they got to jump on a plane and go to the West Coast. But the team they're playing is basically playing a road trip too. And that's a break. I mean, that is a break for them. So we'll see what happens this weekend. And then they come back here and it's going to all be in front of them. If they can go out there and win, it's going to all be in front of them. And then I guess we'll really find out where they are at the end of the day. And my thought too, going into this, if they could win one of these three games, the Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Seattle stretch, that to me, not only does it, you know, not even just looking at the NFC East title, but looking at progress for this program, that to me would show that they have taken a step up. It's good to beat those bad teams. You've got to do that. But beating one of these three teams, I felt like, would be a signal that they are going the right direction. And whatever happens beyond that, and they've done that. And so now you, if they go out and win two more games and don't win the division, I think it's been a really good year. I think it has, too. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of open-ended stuff about it. But, you know, because who's going to be the quarterback, really? Again, I right. still think we're premature talking about that. And clearly, you know, like, they, if they don't make the playoffs, they're going to have a pretty decent high draft pick. If they do, it's going to be very different. So that's going to alter who's going to be available to them. So we'll have to see. I mean, there's a lot there. Um, but things are really trending in the way that you want it to. And we have really meaningful December football now, which, again, largely has not been the case. This feels ahead of schedule. I mean, they were saying at the beginning of the year, this is a rebuilding year. We're pointing towards 2021. Uh, they were saying about the offense, this is a rebuilding year. Give us a year to figure out what the offense is, which is why I go back to uh, maybe they don't even know what their ceiling is for that. I mean, it's very you know, possible that they don't know what their ceiling is right now. Right. I also think for that offense, that was with Dwayne Haskins running that offense when they were saying that because they knew not only how far the offense had to go, but how far he had to go to get there where the offense could fully run because of his inexperience and whatever. I think having Alex Smith out there, I think that's accelerating the process a little bit because you're seeing a bunch of different guys make plays. And I think that's that's been, again, his veteran leadership, I think, has made a big difference for this franchise. Absolutely. I mean, like, there's no doubt about it. I, I Like, I don't know. I thought back in the summer, if they gave him a legitimate shot to compete, he probably would have won the job just based off of his own experience. They chose not to go that way because they wanted Dwayne Haskins to be the quarterback. They gave him a chance. I just saw a tweet from him again tonight praising Alex Smith, which I thought was really great. Yeah. You see, I, I think that you know, good. yeah, it's really great to see that he is bought in with what's going on here, too. Um, I, I just, I, I can't give him enough credit. I mean, this, this was a loss that was chalked up when the schedule came out 
And then once you saw how good Pittsburgh actually was this year, it was a loss that was chalked up. And yesterday was such a gut kick for Colt McCoy and Alfred Morris to go to Seattle and win. You know, it just felt like, well, the division just got out of reach because we assumed they would lose that game and therefore render this game basically irrelevant for the final month. For them to go and win this, it was a heck of a return serve after what the Giants did yesterday. I also think what it showed, too, is I think one of the good positive things here in a big way are the young building blocks. You look at that defense and you watch Chase Young, the way he moves and goes and makes plays, watching Montez Sweat making plays, Cam Curl making some stops. You know, there, there is like there are legitimate young building blocks that this franchise has. There's still a lot to go but I think they have some really good building blocks and that's what has been jumping out in recent weeks as well. At least to me, especially I think yeah, to I anybody mean, too. I, I, in the summer, it became evident that people like McKissick and Thomas were going to have pivotal roles for them. And I know what they paid to get them to come here. And then, so you sit there, you just automatically assume, well, they have inferior talent because they paid for inferior talent. Those two guys were fines, I mean, for this offense, beyond fines. Logan Thomas is making $6 million on a two-year deal. And consider what he was doing today and what he's done all year for them. McKissick already has a career high in catches. And Gibson's, you know, up until this injury has been a standout for them. McLaurin's turned into everything they could have hoped he would be. And so I don't think anyone looks at this outside of the defensive line, which is like the obvious talent that sits out there. I don't think anyone looks at this team and goes, oh, top to bottom, they're they're incredible. They're not. But boy, do they play hard together. And boy, are they resilient. And I defy you to name a team in the NFL who's better in the second half than this team has been. They are consistently down double digits, consistently down double digits. And today, down to the best team in the NFL in a place they had won in almost 30 years and came back and beat them and did it, you know, without Pittsburgh making mistake after mistake. Like that Dallas game 10 days ago, whatever it was, Dallas killed themselves. They were in a one-possession game with them and made unbelievably stupid decisions down the stretch that really helped that unravel the way it did. Pittsburgh didn't do that. You, you could argue about, like, their third one, fourth one call. Sure. Like, I, I could argue that. Like, third one at the goal line, they're throwing to a tackle, you know, like, or they're not running the ball on third and inches or fourth and inches. I, I Like, I, I could argue that, you know, like, the, you know, they made some bad decisions, but not ghastly game-changing decisions like Dallas did. Washington just beat them. I mean, like, we were just the better team today. That's all, period. But you know what's funny? Going back to J.D. McKissick and Logan Thomas, those signings, and – I love the McKissick signing from the minute they got him. And when I went back and watched him, like this kid's, I don't know what Detroit was thinking and why they didn't use him more because when I watched him, he made plays. You can look, go back and they're saying the same thing about Logan Thomas. But another one too, kind of an under the radar situation is Wes Schweitzer. Now he's not blocking at some all pro level, but he's the kind of guy they didn't have on their line in the past. A guy who could fill in when you had a starter go down and and not embarrass them. And I think those were depth signings that they haven't had in the past. I think whatever they're doing, they're building with some good pieces and some good signings who are now helping. Again, even if it's just for depth. We In the past, we'd see guys like Tyler Catalina come in and play and not be able to do anything. These guys are coming in and helping. And that's I think that's been a big change as well. Whether, whether it's a credit to how they're being used, or just that these guys were under the radar or what they are helping. Yeah. I think about, I mean, like their starting left tackle has been out for what, six weeks now. 
mean, how long Luke? How long has Christian been out for? You know, and we thought he was a weak link coming into it anyway. So who's the guy behind him? You know, like that's worked out well enough, right? People forget, like uh, they're honestly over the last few years, their best interior defensive lineman hasn't played in a couple months. Matt Ioannidis, right? They're missing Landon Collins, who I know had a bad start to this season, but you're going to tell me the guys behind him are better than him. I mean, so it's not like they've gotten a free ride through all of this. They have guys been, they have had people been out for periods of time at critical positions that felt like they were weak at like left tackle and left guard and sheriff has missed time this year. And I, I just, I can't credit them enough. Like who do you give it to? I don't know. I mean, it just, it feels like it is trending up for the first time in a real long time. All I hoped for this year really was the signs of this was coming. I didn't expect it to happen now. So I think that's why everybody is kind of so, oh my God about it. And I think they should be because anybody who's watched it for a long time knows they didn't luck into anything today. Like they earned that against a team that might win the Super Bowl. They earned that. It was really an incredible win today. You've heard me talking about Lone Oak Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lono Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, LoneOakCoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right. Put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E, OAKCoffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. It, it was, and I think that's, you know, it's funny because at the beginning of the year, I felt like they'd start, they'd struggle early. It just wasn't set up for them. New offense, new coaching staff, pandemic, young quarterback, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you figure by the second half of the year, that's when we're going to really see what kind of team are they? Because that's when you're kind of out of that excuse of, well, we didn't have an off season. And um, I think what we're seeing is that these guys kind of know what they're doing because they, they look really good. Listen, going back to even the defense, they had the goal line stand today. They had the stop after the McLaurin tackle against Dallas. Those are two big time bow your neck stop in back to back. I mean, they're just, they're doing the job. Are, are you, how much do you buy into what this defense is now showing? I I buy it. I mean, I still think like there are holes there, obvious holes that are there. Um, but for them to, I mean, I don't know why Pittsburgh just didn't run the ball today. Maybe they didn't feel like they could do it, but they literally barely tried today. And in some moments it felt like a mistake, like real short yarded situations where they just got away from it and didn't want to do it. Maybe they felt like they couldn't run. It's the one thing, actually, if you look at all the metrics of that team that, that is not, they're not very good at it is running between the tackles, especially without James Conner. They're just not particularly good. So it could be an Achilles heel for them. 
Um, but I, I'm, I'm bought in on the defense. I mean, when they need to make plays, they make them. I mean, go look at the fourth quarters here over the last, you know, couple of weeks. You know, the first game, it, there was there was butts on every single other one of the wins. Like the first one, the Eagles had like no offensive line, remember? And Miles Sanders yeah. didn't play and they had a big lead. But like I, I walked in going, that team has an injury report that's typically week eight, not week one. Like you're just catching them at the right time and they beat them. Um, when they beat the Cowboys, they were woefully inept and about to fire everybody and about to cut a bunch of people the first time they played them. I mean, they should have won at home against Dallas, and they did. They were getting lit up by Burrow at halftime when he got hurt, and then they came back. So, and, and it's the Bengals with the record that they have, and you're like, well, you should beat the Bengals at home. Who doesn't, right? So there was but. And then the Thanksgiving one was the first one that I felt like they won, and I went, listen. Dallas is playing 800 times better than they did the first time Washington faced them. It mattered. And that was a good win, but it did take Dallas literally like making a mess of everything for them to walk away the way that they did in the fourth quarter. This one feels like this team might be good. Like, you know, like we need to come to the conclusion that it is possible that they are good. And you know what? I think the other, the Giants, I was saying this a month and a half ago when I watched them to get ready for the two games that they were playing. I said that their record is not indicative of how well I they're playing. Yeah. And it's, it, it's now shown up and here they are winning games against good teams regularly, even with backups and washed up guys like Alfred Morris. They're like doing it. <laughs> Washington, same thing. Like, they, the last few weeks, have been playing a lot better than their record would indicate. And now everyone's got to pay attention to them. And this one against San Francisco is is enormous. They're going to catch a team that's basically should have had a home game, doesn't, right? Doesn't have their quarterback, missing a lot of their star players. There will be a grudge there. Kyle Shanahan does not like this organization. I mean, this is going to be a, and Washington has to turn around and they're going to get a lot of good press again for the second straight week after Thanksgiving and then this, and they're going to have to take that all in and go out to San Francisco and try to get a win because it is apparent that the Giants aren't going anywhere. Do you think they can pull this off? Yeah, I do. To win the division? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I do. I think um, I felt like seven was going to be the number initially. Now it's looking like eight is going to for Washington is going to have to be eight because seven doesn't cut it for them against the Giants because two and two is enough. So I feel like three and one is what it's going to have to be. I really right now, I mean, things can change, but right now I love their chances against Carolina and Philadelphia to end it. So I look at these next two and go, if they win one of them, they're going to win the division. And it is funny because, like, I felt like, if, like I said, if they win one of those three, this is a big step for their progress and wherever it goes. But, you know, the other guy I want to talk about, too, is Cam Sims. Because in this game, I have to list pivotal plays and all that. I felt maybe one of the bigger plays in the game was that third down from in, deep inside their own territory where he turns it into a 31-yard gain. That guy had three massive plays today. It's just it, – it's I love watching that guy play because – I feel like he does so many things right. He's a big-time team player, really good on special teams, will block, doesn't care about what he does, but the guy can make some big plays. And, like, it's nice to have guys for a team like that around who he didn't do anything last week. I don't even think he got a target against Dallas. And yet tonight 
he's the one out there making some huge plays. I mean, like we talked about this for the last couple of weeks. It's becoming apparent to me that they, they have more specific needs on defense than they do, I think, on offense outside of probably a left tackle. And they have to make a decision about quarterback, obviously. Yeah, but, at, but at linebacker, potentially in the secondary, they got some decisions they have to make yeah. in the offseason when they get around to it. There was a metric that I did not like. There were a couple of trends I didn't like going into today. Alex Smith, um, listen, he's an incredible story, but like, you know, his quarterback rating is the lowest he's had in like 13 years. And this shouldn't be much of, of a surprise considering what he's overcome and he's playing. I don't want to make that much of it, but his yards per attempt had gone down each of the last four weeks. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was anywhere near as effective as he nope. was. And, you know, we said, who's the number two across from McLaurin? Well, over the last three games, the combined receptions of the number two, three, four, five receivers were 11 for 150 and a touchdown. Three games, 11 right. for 150 and a touchdown. That's nothing, okay? That's nothing. So, like, that stuff had manifested up again, going in against the best defense in the NFL. Alex Smith's numbers are trending down. Antonio Gibson gets hurt. There is no real, pure secondary option outside of McLaurin. And then Gibson goes out. And McLaurin has a nothing day, and they won. <laughs> they're defying math, John, right now, actually. They're, like, literally defying math. But you know what's funny? You bring up Alex Smith, too. In that first half, I'm sitting there already kind of like, okay, he's been a good story, but we are seeing the the slow, um, I guess, decline. I don't know if decline is the right word, but certainly not the guy that could he la could he be your guy next year and grooming a young guy. I don't know that that's where we're at there. Um, but I think, you know, you were seeing some signs of slippage and, you know, that, okay, he can't do this on his own. He's got to get this, but that there is such a calmness to this guy. And there's such a, you know, when you, when you've overcome what he has, I don't think you're going to be bothered by anything that's happened in the game in the first half. And I think that translates to other players as well. That's will always be his biggest value here. I think. I mean, I don't know the last time we could say this about this team, but I, I think this literally comes down to this team has chemistry. I don't know how they got it. I don't know. No one knows how they got it, but they do. They have it. Something's happening here. Um, are they good enough to go, you know, to make a real run run? I don't know. We'll see. I do know that this team is unbelievably resilient. Um, I think one of the first really, I think, signs of it really were when their record was terrible, terrible. They weren't chirping out loud the way things no. in Philadelphia are or what's going on in Dallas. Like, I didn't say there weren't like there weren't everybody trying to flee like in Cincinnati or like trade me, trade me, trade me. Like there was none of that going on. That's here. a good like, point. You know, and, and when that started kind of happening that way, I remember thinking a few weeks ago, I go, they really just need a win to validate their trust in all of this. Yeah. Not, not, not for us, but for them, because they clearly like bought in, they're buying in, they like playing for each other. They like playing together. They are, you know, they, they clearly have chemistry. Um, but if you don't win, eventually that just evaporates and they've been rewarded here three weeks running. And in two cases in huge spotlight games where people are going to start going, Oh, wait a minute. Those guys are actually pretty good. And they're going to start getting respect like that is going to turn around real fast here with what's happened over the last 10 days. 
and we'll see how they handle it. I, I was a little, I mean, look, we were writing stuff about rookie of the year, you know, for Gibson and McLaurin, you wrote a big piece about McLaurin, about how great he is, you know, and all the reasons yeah. why. And I'm sitting there going, okay, like now what happens when they start <laughs> getting all this attention and they start mm-hmm. being told how good they are when they've been told forever they aren't. I mean, the, I, I don't remember the last time that I felt like, well, there's kind of like a mission-oriented chemistry that exists in this locker room where everybody is kind of on board. And maybe not having access to all of us naysayers is maybe helping them a little bit this year. You know, there are certain teams that probably did benefit a little from not having people in the locker room constantly questioning or everything the they do. Or in the stands. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying that that's, you know, necessarily the case but um you know when they were you know two and seven whatever (laughs) i could see i could see a scenario by which where the the outside pressure got to them and maybe they've been able to form their own little bubble and get away from what's going on or what's being said and i would i would uh, and i would advise to keep doing that because there might if they read their headlines this week they um might think a little too much of themselves frankly and and i'm going to end on this one too but before i get to this question though um i agree with you on the chemistry then when they were two and seven you had players talking about how much they enjoyed being out there at practice and just the feeling in the locker room they were two and seven when guys were saying that and i felt like it was legit and so i i buy into that chemistry aspect i think some of that you get that young guy energy it becomes infectious you have the leadership of a guy like alex smith some other veterans like morgan moses showing that as well so it adds up and it's a, and they're in a good spot the last thing i want to talk about is the coordinators because scott turner there was criticism of him earlier in the year um jack del rio has a proven track record um but there was some i wouldn't say i don't know about fighting but some issues with getting that d-line to play the way it needed to as far as the one gap versus the two gap but those two, those those sides of the ball have been fairly well coached here recently, and and I think those guys have done a pretty good job. I mean, Scott Turner's done an amazing job. Yeah, I, honestly, I agree. Third quarterback, right tackle was playing left tackle. Left tackle, you know, the starter is perceived as weak, hasn't played in a month and a half. You know, interchangeable guard play. Uh, was told that the skill positions are not very good outside of McLaurin and not explosive. And that hasn't been true at all. So, you know, you know, like good for them for figuring it out. We were told early it's going to take a year. Apparently it took a few months to figure out how to do that. And maybe it was just the insertion of the experience that Smith had, Um, you know, like that maybe that was just kind of it too. And on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, listen, they were supposed to be good. They have five first round picks on their defensive line. Um, They are deep. They are extremely talented. They should be able to get pressure, get to the quarterback. And in general, they do. Um, But that's what they were supposed to hang their hat on. They were supposed to be a top 10, top five defense. They've become that. I I still feel like it is uneven a lot that they give up a lot of big plays for a team that ends up doing that. But um, largely, I mean, it's not a lot to complain about here. If you're going to go up there and win, I, I, you're going to have a hard time finding things to complain about. Um, it a, a December win at an 11 and 0 team, you know, that's no fluke. I mean, it, go look at them. Like, it's not it's not just their defense. Their punt returners number two in the league. Yeah. Um, they have they they are they lead or are tied in 28 defensive categories. 
they have certain metrics that would rank up there with any defense ever. And offensively, go look how they spread it around and the draft capital that they have used on their receivers and how good that they, I mean, you want to talk about chemistry, they got it too. I mean, that's a team that's got it. Ben, I talked to people in Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger said the reason why he's playing is he loves these three offensive linemen that blocked for him forever but weren't part of Super Bowl winning teams. And he loves this young group of receivers that he has. He wants to play for them um, because he could have retired too. So similar right. things going on here, you know, other than this is a first year in the program for Ron Rivera. I, I can't imagine how happy he is tonight. I mean, yep. What a validation. I mean, just think about the year that's gone on here. You know, think about what's going to be in the news tomorrow. You know, like what they're just dealing with here, what he had to try to turn around, whether they make the playoffs or not. I mean, this is something you can really sit back and look at and go, all right, you know, I like what I see here. I like what the future holds. And let's let's have a ride here for this final month. We haven't had one in a while. So let's have a ride here. Yep, and I, I will we'll end right there. And it's funny because last week we talked about the McLaurin chase down, comparing it to LeVar Arrington in Carolina in the Marty year, and it's kind of following a similar path right now. So we'll see where it goes. Bram, thanks a lot. I think this fan base is going to enjoy this one for the next few days. All right, see you, John. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Bram for joining me, and thank you for listening. Enjoy this one, folks. You've earned it as much as anyone. And while you're at it, celebrate with some Lono coffee. I'll have an emotional interview with Ron Rivera on Thursday, as well as a look at the 49ers. Talk to you then.